Today we shall embark on a shorter series of Dhamma talks of at least five Dhamma talks on the five controlling faculties. And those five controlling faculties in the Pali scriptural language are known as Indriyas, Pancha Indriya. Pancha Indriya need to be more precise in the Pali language. Now, those certain five controlling faculties consist of five different mental factors. The first one being faith or confidence. And then the second one being the controlling faculty of effort. And then number three is mindfulness. Yes, this is correct. So the controlling faculty of mindfulness. And Satna then we go on with the controlling faculty of concentration, Samadhendriya, in the Pali scriptural language. And the last one is wisdom, Panya Indriya. Now, those controlling faculties are known as such as Indriyas because you know, they exercise control in their respective fitness spheres. Now, allow me to devote today's talk not as one would expect to the controlling faculty of faith or confidence but rather to the controlling faculty of mindfulness. The reason for this is that certainly this is a Satipatthana retreat and certainly it would be more than useful for you to have um, clear instructions on mindfulness at an early point in your retreat. If you know, those mindfulness instructions were to be given, let's say, only halfway through the retreat or to closer towards the end, you know, then there would be not much use. Now, So the specific topic for today is mindfulness and some of its qualities. Now, this particular mental factor of mindfulness occurs in the text on many occasions in the context of a larger or more comprehensive term, namely, Pali term, namely Satipatthana. And so we shall take a closer look at the term Satipatthana and that will then go on to explore in greater detail some of the many qualities of mindfulness. A proper understanding of mindfulness 
as well as certain of the ness of the term satipatthana nyadin can be seen as a recipe for um, well for good practice for an ever deepening practice in praise of the mindfulness satna mindfulness satna meditation the buddha has boldly stated in the preamble to the satipatthana sutta the benefits satna that can be expected from those from this practice and so there it says the practice of Satipatthana meditation leads to the purification of the mind, the overcoming of sorrow and lamentation, to the complete destruction of physical pain and mental distress, the entering of the right path, and then finally the attainment of Nibbana. The Pali term Satipatthana occurs predominantly in the Mahasatipatthana Sutta of the Diga Nikaya, so the long discourse on the establishment of mindfulness, but it also occurs in the so-called Satipatthana Nusutta of the Majjhima Nikaya, the middle-length discourses, as well as a number of other shorter discourses on Satipatthana as part of the Samyutta Nikaya, namely the connected discourses of the Buddha. And then we also have shorter discourses on the same topic in the Anguttara Nikaya and uh, then references also being made you know, to Satipatthana in the Patisambhida Magga, the path of discrimination, and the Visuddhi Magga, also the path of purification, also takes up you know, this certain topic. Now, even though the Pali term Satipatthana gets certainly used in or is mentioned in so many discourses and is being referred to you know, time and certainly again by you know, many different you know, teachers of mindfulness certainly meditation yet its certain meaning has certain left room for interpretation the Pali scriptural term Satipatthana etymologically can be broken up in, in th- at least three different ways. The first one, as breaking up the term Satipatthana as Sati being one part and Upatthana being the second part. And then number two, as Sati and Patana. And then number three, as sati, then the particle 
pa in the middle and tan as the third part. Now, we shall, in the course of this Satna discourse, then look into the different meanings of this term, Satipatthana, and its different ways of breaking it up. Now, the traditional explanation or understanding of Fatna the Pali term Sati Patana is as Sati and Patana, which is Satna the rendering as found in the commentary to the Majimanikaya. And the term sati then means mindfulness, and the term batana is satna then uh, explained as meaning what? Foundation. There you go. And satna, when we then combine these two terms, mindfulness and satna batana, it becomes sat foundation of mindfulness. Now, here, the emphasis uh, is uh, more on highlighting the cause of mindfulness, namely the four uh, categories of objects. Now, the second way of explaining the term satipatthana consists again of or consists of two subpertinent possibilities and so to when breaking up the term as sati and upatana then the commentary to or the patisambhita magga then derives the the meaning as follows, namely, so sati is the same as before mindfulness, and upatana is satna then being identified with the English word establishment. So in other words, the establishment of mindfulness, or as the Patisamita Magga says, establishing as the meaning of mindfulness. The reference here is to the first volume of the Patisamita Magga, uh, section 182. Now, the Magga, the path of purification, picks up on this and gives Satna the following explanation, namely, it says, the establishment is mindfulness. Mindfulness is called establishment, upatana, since it approaches upagantu, the object of observation, and remains there, titati in Pali. So the Pali passage for this is upatana, is satna then explained as aramanam upagantva tanam tasawa 
anisajanam upatanam. Now, the second possible interpretation of the term satipatthana, namely understood as uh, uh, sati and upatana, then has been proposed by Professor Rice Satna Davids, a great Pali scholar, as well as Satna by Venerable Bhikkhu Analayo, equally uh, a well-known Buddhist Satna scholar and monk. Both have you know, proposed to interpret or to understand Satipatthana in the following way, namely as presence of mindfulness. Upatana then meaning placing near, being present, attending to. Hence, presence of mindfulness or attending to an object with mindfulness. Now, Venerable Soma Natera, Sri Lankan, or a monk from Sri Lanka, now deceased, has proposed also another rendering here for the term Satipatthana, namely as the arousing of mindfulness. And suddenly he also follows the inter or he breaks up the term Satipatthana into Sati and Upatana. So with this, you can see already that quite a number of different interpretations are around. In the Mahasi tradition of Vipassana meditation, the preferred interpretation of the term Satipatthana is as a firm, steadfast and close establishment of mindfulness on the respective object of observation. Now, the Venerable Side Upanita Bhivams of Fatna Burman has taken the disc or the understanding of Satipatthana further by basing his explanations on explanations given or more detailed explanations given in the commentaries. And so he then says that the, the Buddha could have spoken of satitana, so omitting the particle pi in the middle. So there must be a certain reason for including this particle pa, and certainly the reason then being that the Buddha had wanted to bring across extra or additional meanings for a better understanding of the term satipatthana, or of the term sati, as it is certainly so important. And those different meanings we shall explore in the course of Fatna this talk. 
Now, at first, it might certainly seem like a superfluous discussion to go into these different interpretations of the term satipatthana. However, it helps for a better understanding. Now, the four or establishment of mindfulness satipatthana is of four kinds, and certainly you will well be familiar with those certain four kinds, uh, name or four categories of objects, namely the establishment of mindfulness with regard certain to the body, and certain with this then uh, with regard to a wide range of bodily objects, then the establishment of mindfulness with regard certain to feelings, Vedana in the Pali scriptural language, and Sapnya then with regard to the mind, Chitta in the Pali scriptural language, and here specifically mentioned is consciousness in which Chitta then various mental states have arisen. Consciousness that is associated with greed, free from greed, consciousness associated with hatred, free from hatred, and then other cases. Now, before we go any further, let us now take a, and, and sorry, and then mindfulness with regard certain to uh, dhamma objects, known as dhammanupasana satipatthana in the Pali scriptural language, and the satipatthana sutta then explains what is meant by Dhammanupasana Satipatthana, and it speaks of a mindful contemplation of the hindrances of the five aggregates, the six sense spheres, the seven enlightenment factors, and the last item on the list uh, uh, comes in the form of the Four Noble Truths. So, even though mindfulness is Sapnya being spoken of as Sapnya for in the context of the establishments of mindfulness, Chattaro Nesatipatana, yet in essence it all boils down to just one thing, namely mindfulness. Straightforward mindfulness. Now, the Pali term Nesati in the Sanskrit language, also known as Smirti, then has been translated in various ways. Mindfulness is one, and then other translations are there, such as presence of mind, attentiveness, and so on. We shall go into those in a short while. Now, 
for a better understanding of the term mindfulness, sati, it's worth turning to the Dhamma Sangani, which is certainly the first of the Abhidhamma works, and certainly the Dhamma Sangani defines relevant certain terms, Abhidhamma terms, by way of synonyms. So words that the Buddha used himself on different occasions for a particular mental factor or category. So the Dhamma Sangani says, what at that time is mindfulness? And it answers, that which at that time is mindfulness, constant mindfulness. And already here, constant mindfulness, this um, kind of kind of leads us on to this moment by moment, moment to moment mindfulness, continuous certain mindfulness. Now the term sati on occasion also gets used as recollection, then sometimes as mindfulness which is remembering, then bearing in mind, then as non-superficiality, non-forgetfulness, mind, and then as mindfulness, as the faculty of mindfulness, the power of mindfulness, and right mindfulness. Now, the Pali word, Asati derives from the root meaning to remember. The root is some, and the verb based on, or that can be traced from this, is satna then sarati, which means to remember. Now, but as a mental factor, for the most part, sati does not mean memory or remembering, but rather presence of mind or attentiveness to the presence and so on. However, there are passages in the text where mindfulness, the term sati occurs as a compound, namely as anusati, Buddha nusati, as an example, namely a contemplation of uh, the virtue of uh, the Buddhas, or better, recollection of the virtues of the Buddha. And then the same thing, Dhamma nusati, Sangha nusati, etc. And so then this is recollecting a certain quality that is being ascribed to the Buddha, the Dhamma, or the Sangha. On occasion, mindfulness does take up this meaning of remembering, namely remembering what has happened just a, a moment or two ago, and suddenly then the mind processing this.
With this Satna then, we can say that modern terms for mindfulness could be words like presence of mind, attentiveness to the present, awareness, wakefulness, heedfulness, and Satna further more the a term, observing power, which is a term coined by, or coined, proposed by the Venerable Sadhu Pandita Bhimams of Burma. And with this term, he's trying to bring across the dynamic nature that ideally our mindfulness should possess. So mindfulness has to be active. And that it has to go with the, or it needs to be present at all times in our mindful sitting meditation, walking meditation, and during the general activities. From an Abhidhamma point of view, this mindfulness is given as one out of the beautiful mental factors. There are 25 of those. And those 25 consist of 19 so-called universal, 19 beautiful universal mental states, sobhana, sadharana, in the Pali, scriptural language, and then a number of other wholesome states. And among these, mindfulness comes as the second, the first being faith. And so mindfulness occurs together with beautiful consciousness. And it does not arise in unwholesome consciousness rooted in greed, hatred, uh, or delusion, or certain functional consciousness. Now, we can turn to the Visuddhimagga, the path of Vatna purification, for a definition of Vatna, the term mindfulness, of Vatna, the mental factor, mindfulness. And the Visuddhimagga is certainly very systematic. It has uh, a fourfold certainly, uh, definition system that certainly then gets applied to each and every uh, mental factor. And uh, that fourfold definition system then consists of uh, a characteristic being attributed to the respective mental factor, a function, a manifestation, and an approximate cause. So in the case of mindfulness, its characteristic is certainly given as 
apilapana lakana in the Pali scripture language, which means in English, in short, non superficiality. So, in other words, the mind should not skim over the surface of an object. It should not float away, or it should not wobble and not float away from the respective object of observation. So, rather than skimming over the surface of an object, it should ideally sink into the object. Now, the commentator has certainly given a negative simile for mindfulness, namely, the commentator says it should not be like a dried and hollow pumpkin that gets thrown onto the surface of a river. And that hollowed and dried pumpkin obviously will do what? It will float. It will float on the surface of the water, the river, and obviously will not sink to the ground. So a positive illustration for mindfulness then would be it's more like a stone or a rock thrown into a river and that stone will then sink to the river bed. So if our mindfulness possesses this quality of sinking into an object of observation, then we're quite likely to come to know its nature. Coming to know its nature means we know qualities such as the expansion of the abdomen in the case of the rising movement and then the relaxation, the contraction in the case of the falling movement, tension, stiffness, tightness, movement, various kinds of movements and so on and so forth. Now, the Visurimaga goes on to give two functions in regard to mindfulness. Sorry, one function, namely absence of confusion or non forgetfulness. These two terms are English translations of the Pani term asamosa rasa. So when a predominant object is present, then the mind should neither lose sight of the respective object nor forget the object nor allow the object of observation to disappear. So as retreatants, then we want to keep putting the object in a close view.
Now, for instance, when a soccer match is suddenly going on, then the players of both teams have to keep putting the ball in view. They have to keep putting their eyes on it and almost all the time. And if and in this way, they'll know where the action is, and certainly they can act accordingly. But certainly, if a soccer player were to be absent-minded over a longer period of time and take or survey the audience and maybe even interact with the audience, then. Uh, he, he might uh, uh, not be a useful player anymore. Now, when it comes to uh, the manifestation of mindfulness, two of those are given, the first one being a state of confrontation, in the Pani scriptural language, which means, literally means, a state of being face-to-face with the respective object of observation. So the observing mind ideally should be face-to-face with the object of observation. When that is certainly the case, then it certainly will be easy for the mind to carefully observe and know the nature of the respective object of observation. Now, a researcher, for instance, who has been asked to do research into a new topic and a field that is in a field that is not very explored yet such a researcher will have to pay very close attention to uh, his to you know, the subject of his certain research the topic of his research and you know, will have to explore very carefully all the factors that come in that play an important role and thus the attention has to be fully on you know, that research topic now, a researcher cannot certainly spend all of his or her time just thinking about the topic. Now, when the mind is in a state of confrontation or face-to-face with a predominant object, 
and then with the next one and sudden another one and so on and so forth, over a longer period of time, usually retreatants find what? What do they find with the mind? The mind then is very impure. No. But rather, they find suddenly that some deal of some degree of purity is there, or even a great deal of suddenly purity is there, and that purity of suddenly the mind then is a result of the first manifestation of mindfulness, and hence the second manifestation of mindfulness is certainly given as protection or as guardianship, arakapachapatana in the Pali scriptural language. Now, this is a really important point. When the mind or when our mindfulness is continuous from moment to moment to moment, and one moment of mindfulness is closely connected with the next moment of mindfulness, then the mind is indeed protected. Protected against the arising of unwholesome mental states, unskillful, destructive mental states. Now, when on occasion in your mind, in your meditation practice, in the course of this retreat or you know, during future retreats or daily practice, when you come across suddenness, some rather challenging, unpleasant mental factor like anxiety, the mind worrying over and over again, or it may be, it may be feared that is suddenly there, or some um, some discontent suddenly is there. In a situation like this, it's important to remember that you know, second manifestation of mindfulness and you know, to ensure and, you know, a perfect continuity of mindfulness. And if you manage to ensure that continuity of mindfulness, then uh, uh, that you know, challenging mental state will you know, rather or yeah, sooner rather than later you know, fade away. Now, two proximate causes have been given for mindfulness. One is tirasanyapadatana, uh, namely a strong perception of an object of observation, and certainly the second one being the four establishments of mindfulness. When the initial perception of an object is rather vague, rather unclear, then the mind will have a hard time working or processing this object. 
If, however, the very first perception of an object is clear-cut, is very distinct, even though the object might be rather um, minute, then mindfulness can process this object properly. So this perception or strong perception that is given as a proximate cause for mindfulness, perception as a mental factor has been explained or illustrated by way of a recording device. So when one records some some classical concert or some other public event with a high-quality recording device, then the result will be a high-quality recording. And when they replace that, the listening experience will also be very sharp and very clear. So the first perception, the first uh, um, uh, the first perception of an object does certainly make a huge difference. The second proximate or nearest cause for you know, the arising of mindfulness is certainly given as Gayadi Satipatthana Padatana, you know, so the four establishments of mindfulness uh, itself. The meaning here is that uh, if we have a continuous flow of moments of mindfulness one after another, then the resultant mindfulness, maybe after five minutes or ten minutes, will be rather strong mindfulness. If, however, our mindfulness is somewhat discontinuous, intermittent, well, then the resultant mindfulness after 5-10 minutes will be, relatively speaking, weaker than in the first case. Now, a number of other qualities have been attributed to mindfulness, qualities that mindfulness ideally should certainly possess. Among those, we have immediacy. Immediacy in the sense that as soon as an object of observation comes up, the mind should be with that object, should be present, and nothing should come in between the object and the observing and knowing mind. If, however, one sudden mindfulness is not immediate, then it's and instead the mind goes off into thinking and asking questions and so on. Well, then one will 
not be in a position to properly know the object of observation. If one's mindfulness is delayed, then all one will have is a memory of that first object, which is not the same thing as the actual experience. And so if one one's mindfulness is kind of ahead of footnote things, then uh, all one has uh, will be uh, an imagination of what the object might be like in the future. Now, The commentary makes it certainly very clear that the type of mindfulness that is needed in Satipatthana meditation is not just some ordinary type of mindfulness, but rather it needs to be an extraordinary or outstanding type of mindfulness. In the Pali language referred to as visita, our mindfulness satna further has satna been described as satna busata, meaning that it should be excessive, intensive, as well as satna persistent. Now, Earlier on, the term Satipatthana, or one way of explaining the term Satipatthana, was given as Sati and Pa and Tana, so with a special emphasis on the particle Pa. Now, that particle pa, then according to the commentary, carries various certain meanings. One of them is as pakandana, which then means rushing, leaping, plunging. So as soon as an object of observation comes up, the observing mind should be rushing, leaping, and plunging into the object of observation without mm, hesitation and certainly without thinking, reflecting, questioning, considering, fantasizing, and the like. So, uh, our mindfulness certainly should be very dynamic when observing a predominant Satna object of observation. A further quality that has been attributed to the particle pa of the term, Pali term Satipatthana, is as upaganhitva pavatati which translates into English as firmly grasping or seizing the respective object of observation. 
So when a predominant certain object is there, the mind needs to firmly seize it. Now, this is easy to say, but at times um, there are objects that are quite slippery. You could certainly think, for instance, of thinking. Thinking, you might certainly, so you can take thinking as an object, and certainly the next moment it slips away. Or you might take a mental state like ignorance as an object of observation, and certainly then you don't quite know how to catch it, where to catch it. So when a predominant object is certainly there, then just like a farmer who um, is harvesting a paddy will have to firmly seize a bushel of paddy and then cut it with a sickle, so too, as a retreatant, we need to firmly grasp the respective object of observation. The Venerable Mahasi side of Burma was a great educator and very skilled in presenting his explanations on the Satipatthana meditation in a very structured way. And so he realized that objects are of different kinds, namely we have coarser objects, grosser objects, we have objects of a moderate coarseness or refinement, and then we have rather refined objects. So the way to proceed is for a beginning retreat and or at the beginning of a retreat to first pay attention to the coarse objects since this will be easier for the mind to or easier for the mind to observe and then once suddenly the mind has developed certain skills then to go on and suddenly develop and then to observe more refined objects. The continuity of mindfulness has been highlighted already during earlier talks and maybe to add just one illustration here in this very meditation hall the floor consists of wooden planks or wooden floorboards now some of these floorboards are closely connected and suddenly at certain places you have gaps a gap between one floorboard and the next and it is certainly in these gaps that you know, sand and certain, you know, dust 
will accumulate over time. Likewise, when the mindfulness is somewhat discontinuous, and suddenly there's a gap between one moment of mindfulness and the next moment of mindfulness, then um, unwholesome mental states will easily arise. So with this certain we've covered already quite a number of qualities that certain mindfulness could and certain should possess. Now there are some further qualities that can be derived from qualities of mindfulness that can be derived from imagery used in the context of mindfulness. And it is Venerable Bhikkhu Analayo who has highlighted this point quite a bit in his certain book, Khatna Satipatthana. So in the Majjhima Nikaya, we find a passage, namely volume 2, section 260, where the Buddha speaks of mindfulness as a probe or similar to a probe. A probe is a device used by a surgeon to then place the probe into a wound to then see what is actually going on in that wound. And in this way, the surgeon then can gather information about the wound. Likewise, with mindfulness. With mindfulness, we carefully explore a predominant object of observation and in so doing, then acquire information about the object. At the time of the Buddha, as well as even nowadays, in the southern part of Nepal, namely around the birthplace of Fatna, the Buddha Lumbini, as well as Satna Kapila Watu or Kapila Wastu, where the where Prince Siddhartha grew up one can still witness a scene during the hot season where, let's say, a cowherd is watching over a group of cattle. And so the cowherds might suddenly be sitting under or in the shade of a tree or might be standing somewhere in the open and then, in a calm and detached manner, being aware of the grazing cattle. And the Buddha says that kind of an calm and detached attitude 
or calm and detached uh, mindfulness is also needed when we observe our many objects of observation. Now, there is a discourse in the Samyutta Nikaya, namely the 47th collection of discourses, the Satipatthana Samyutta, discourse number 20, entitled The Beautiful Girl of the Land. And Satna, so we have Satna the Buddha speaking to a group of his disciples, and Satna he yeah, then yeah, says, suppose, and Satna he's Satna making up an uh, illustration, a story. Suppose mm, there in a place, people would Satna say, the most beautiful girl. In the country, and it or it would be announced in this way. Very soon, quite a crowd of people would suddenly gather, and suddenly then the new announcement would be, or and then this most beautiful girl of the country would suddenly exquisitely dance and exquisitely sing, and then the new announcement would be the most beautiful girl of the country is singing, is dancing. With this, an even greater crowd of people would come and be attracted. If then there were a man intent on living, on being alive and adverse certainly to death, a man as seeking happiness and not certain uh, suffering. If Fatna then someone would come up to uh, this man and say, Oh good man, carry this pot full of oil to uh, the brim on your head in the midst or between the most beautiful girl in the country singing and dancing and suddenly the crowd. If you were to spill just a tiny amount of the oil, a person walking behind you with a drawn sword will immediately chop off your head. So, and then the Buddha asks his group of Fatna disciples, what would you, you know, think? Would Satna, that Satna man who you know, has been asked to carry a bowl full of Fatna oil on his head, would that man you know, keep his attention on the body or not? And Satna they, you know, then immediately said, well, obviously on uh, the body. And suddenly, so here, the careful the careful behavior of the man carrying the oil, the bowl of oil on his head, that suddenly then 
can be seen as an exhortation to the practitioner to be well established in present uh, present moment awareness of the body now in this certain simile that certain of the buddha used the bowl of oil filled to the brim this is as the buddha explains a designation for mindfulness directed to the body So in other words, when we do our mindfulness practice, we want to be as focused as certain possible and set as if we were to carry a bowl of oil or water on our head. If we get distracted here or there, then easily we will lose our centeredness, our balance. Now, ideally, mindfulness should possess further qualities such as a non-interfering quality, such as satna being a goalless satna awareness or a mindfulness. So we just we're just mindful of whatever comes along without any agenda in the Mac of our mind. Venerable Dr. Gunaratna, a Sri Lankan monk in his certain book, Mindfulness in Plain English, recommends that mindfulness observes things as they are. It adds nothing to perception and it subtracts nothing. So we just observe what is truly going on. Now, this certainly brings us to the conclusion of our Dhamma talk today on mindfulness and some of its qualities. There are many others that could be cited, but certainly we are running out of time. So allow me to conclude by wishing in the course of this retreat, may our mindfulness be informed by some of the qualities mentioned in the course of this discourse and being well equipped or being equipped with good mindfulness, then may your practice unfold and may it lead on to the arising of intuitive wisdom and may that wisdom eventually turn into liberating wisdom. And this is it for now. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org.
dot org slash donate.